I'm Tom. I'm Micah. And this is Function, the podcast about art and engineering. What's up, Micah? Well, I've been organizing pens this morning. That's been my main thing. Pens? Mm-hmm. Where do you get your pens? Well, I have a collection from when I was a child, and I keep amassing them, and I like to frequent certain online pen sellers. Mm. Um, there's only one shop in Santa Rosa that has pretty good pen selection, so pop over to Corix sometime, but I get a lot of Japanese cool pens from oh. Jet Pens. Jet Pens? Yeah. Jet Pens. Okay. Yeah. I've heard of Jet Pens. Yeah, they're out of San Jose, and they specialize in Japanese. Yeah, that's the Japanese one. Yeah. So we're talking fountain pens? Mostly fountain pens, yeah. Uh-huh. But I always got my, I got my little three pen case, so I always have my... You have three. Yeah, it's always three. Always ink. Not always fountain pens, but there's always at least one. I think they say inked up. It's inked up. That's correct. Yeah, so. And I've seen your pens. They're demonstrators. Is that right? The one I'm using now is a demonstrator. That makes it clearer so you can see what's in there. Yeah, it's more fun. You can see all the mechanics and. Sounds like engineering. It, well. So, how does a pen work? Does it need gravity? Does a fountain pen work in space? (laughs) I don't think it's going to work in space, really. Because you can't write upside down, right? No, and it's it's all kind of capillary action. So the the, and, but with a little help from gravity. Yeah. Right, because if you, I, re, I seem to remember I used a fountain pen um, a long time ago, and uh, it seemed like if I was lying down on the couch and holding a pad above my head, that that didn't actually work. Yeah, the ink reservoir has to be connected to. Oh, maybe it's just an ink reservoir. Maybe it would work for a, it was, until it ran out of ink on the nib. On the nib, yeah. Yeah. So. So as I recall, the nib has a little hole in it, and then there's a little, a little channel mm-hmm. where the ink flows down to the nib. The nib. Or that whole thing is the nib, or just the um, end, just the point. Just the the well, it's the the metal portion of it is the nib. It's usually got two. That whole piece. Yeah, it's usually got two parts to the nib. Some of there's some there's a nib called a music nib that has three parts. Three. Tines. Oh, tines. Because yeah. as you press harder, they split apart and yeah. more ink flows, right? Right. And um, although some nibs are um, softer and have some flex, mm-hmm. so but most modern fountain pens don't have that type of a nib. What's the what's the flexiest best? What's what's like the most <laughs> extreme nib material? Well, boy, usually the softer nibs are going to be gold. Gold. There's a lot of gold nibs. How about platinum? Does anybody ever go platinum? I'm sure there are. I, as much as I love fountain pens, I'm not a super expert. I just like to use them. Oh, okay. Because so. I, I was thinking, I was thinking about that because, as I recall, platinum doesn't have a lot of memory, so you can bend it. You can bend it more. And then it bends return. back, and it doesn't like leave a kink, mm-hmm. which seems like what you would want. That would be the problem if you overflex a flex nib. Uh-huh. You'll get a kink in it, and you can't use it anymore. I mean, it's, yeah, it's pretty much bend. shot. Yeah. Um, and so I have a Namiki Pilot Falcon pen that has a soft, it's a gentle flex. But some, the antique nibs, a bunch of old Waterman nibs and stuff that are very flexible and make beautiful handwriting if you can control your hand. If you have technique. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Takes a long time. When when someone hands me a fountain pen, I hand it back without trying it. Because Most, yeah. It, it's not happened very often, but uh, it did happen to me once. Yeah, most fountain pens have a, you kind of develop a memory of, you know, it wears from the style of the person writing with it. Yeah, so. I don't want to. Most people would not else's. hand you a fountain pen. Yeah, if they I love... considered it to be highly irregular. <laughs> they yeah, the love their said, fountain well, pen. Well, most people don't know that you're not supposed to do that. Right. So. <laughs> I think it was a waterman. I have had somebody take my fountain pen out of my hand to take a note. Because oh, I want. Mm. I asked them for information, and I was going to uh-huh. write it down in my yeah, little notepad. Uh-huh. And, oh, I'll write it down and grab my pen. And before I know it, they're writing all over my pad. Mm. So, oh, well. How rude. It's kind of rude. But <laughs> they didn't know. Yeah, yeah, most people don't know that. So, they didn't. They were they were trying to be helpful. And I keep a pencil right now, so I have my Twisby Diamond demonstrator inked up with the Diamine Meadow Green ink. And it's a nice mellow but you know, not a boring ink. Everything's black and blue, so I like so to 
Where do you get the ink? How's it packaged? Um, it's you can get a lot of different packaging. I get um, this is a I think a 25 milliliter. It's kind of a smallish. Almost an ounce bottle. Yeah. So and then I got some that are big bottles. I remember like jars of India ink with a rubber cap on them. Yeah. And it would get all crusty on the top. Yeah, and India you, ink's your pretty. Your hand would get. And then you'd like there'd be this just crusty awfulness in there. Yeah, you don't want to put that in your fountain pen. No, that no. wouldn't go. No. <laughs> yeah, because it, it seems like it would crust up your it, fountain pen. Yeah, it's there. There are a few. There's a few ways you can employ India ink, and if you do. You got to rinse everything out right away, but uh-huh. it'll it'll clog up a lot of pens. And so, so is the ink in solution? Is it a colloid? What is it? Is it um, little particles of? They are pig. They, there's different types of ink. You know, there's um, uh, most of them are water based, and they're particles of um, pigment. Some of them are dye. They're, yeah. Dye based. Yeah. Like dyes would be a solution, right? Mm-hmm. That would, and then particles would be like, like a, a suspension. suspension. Yeah. And so it seems like. Seems like you'd want a solution in a fountain pen. Solutions are better, and they have different formulations. There's um, iron gall inks, and I should probably learn more about that before I try to tell anybody else about them. <laughs> but but they are, I think they're a more particulate ink, but i got to check that out. Okay. I don't have any. I, I was thinking about ink, and I was thinking I need to look at ink. And then I thought, well, where would I do that? And also, what would I use it for? And then I remembered I had a bunch of ink. Oh, where did you I have squirrel ink. it away? I, it was in my garage because I was refilling inkjet cartridges and I have a Costco, like far more ink than you strictly require. Right. Um, and it was amazing. I had all this ink and I remember in refilling the cartridges, I would get, I called it counterfeiter fingers. That's (laughs) right. When you get the green ink all over your fingers, you know, or black, green and black ink. It seems to be what sticks to my fingers or, or the color they end up when I'm done. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've, I should go hide because I've been counterfeiting. There are um, gloves that you can yeah, wear yeah, beforehand, yeah. but uh-huh. usually they're not stored with the ink. That would involve planning ahead. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. yes. And, and actually not being overconfident. Two things I have trouble with. Agreed. Because I get those fingers a lot too when I fix uh-huh. my mom's printer. So and ah, re- okay. re-ink it and re-inking a printer. Yeah, we used to do the um, had a continuous inking system, which was nice because you didn't have to re-ink it. You have just oh, wow. these tanks of ink uh-huh. next to it, and it's got this nice little transport mm-hmm. built in and works great until the printer dies finally because you've run gallons of ink through a printer <laughs> that wasn't expecting to ever have that much ink ever uh-huh. run through it so you wear out totally wear out a bunch of the different mechanics and at the heads on the the print heads and um i we replaced a couple of belts a couple of times just because wow. it was worth it because you're saving so much doing that right yeah um, pretty expensive but um yeah then I got a, I got a new printer to replace that one, and I got a new continuous inking system. And I have not been able to make that function because I strayed away from the dye inks because I mm. thought, oh, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be cool and get the pigment inks and do more permanent prints because the dye inks out in the light do fade and get weird, kind of bronzy. Oh, they get kind of that right. bronzy reflection right. to yeah, them. Yeah, like like inkjet. Yeah. Pictures like are some of the yeah. worst. Yeah, they're pretty ephemeral. Some of so. the worst preserved stuff. Yeah, any. I mean, you put it out, in, I don't you know, even a hallway or something. Yeah. It doesn't get direct light, and within a year or two, it's just garbage. It's, yeah. So that's why I wanted to do the pigment, but with any of the continuous ink, any of the systems, either the dye or the pigment, you have to, you really have to print every day something, and if you don't it can start clogging up and the pigment of course because it has the particles in it gets even more clogged mm-hmm. more rapidly and it's harder to keep it clean and so right now i have a um uh 14 inch carriage inkjet printer on my desk that is basically an enormous paperweight because <laughs> i <laughs> i don't want to throw it away because i keep thinking i'm going to get that under control. I might just go back to dye inks so I actually have a functioning printer. 
mm-hmm. besides the la- little laser printer I have. But have you seen the Axie Draw? I have not seen the Axie Draw. The Axie Draw is a you're going to make me plotter. take a note. The Axie Draw is a pen plotter, but you can put your own pen in it. You could put a fountain pen in it. Ah. And it could have, or you could put whatever kind of pen. You can put a felt marker in there. You can put an exacto knife. Uh, you can put whatever you want inside this thing because it's it's a a little two-axis uh, machine. I assume it has pen up and pen down. I haven't actually thought much about hmm. that. If it's a plotter, you think it would have a pen up and pen yeah, down? Yeah, it's got to have a pen up and pen down. Yeah, and and so uh, it comes from Evil Mad Scientist Laboratories. Um, which is a highly recommended online store for um, engineers to play uh, and find things that make good engineering hobbies. And the Axie Draw, it's not real cheap. Uh, They're on the version 3 now. I think it was originally a Kickstarter maybe. Uh, And the version 3 I think is like $450 or something like that. They have... The kinks really worked out from the look of it. It, it. They've made a bunch of them because I keep people keep tweeting their pictures, and uh, they're amazing. Oh, uh, so, so, what are some examples of things that you've seen people create with this? Well, it, there's a lot of like uh, generated art, like math generates okay. art, like spirals and. Wiggly like lines, and... uh, grain type things, okay. you know, like simulated, real simulated wood grain, uh, <laughs> that sort of thing. Or, or people do lettering. Uh, lettering is big um, because you can get such bold colors with them because you can put a sharpie in there. You can put right. a colored sharpie in there and get just really dazzling color. And have you seen the spectrum of sharpies lately? It's uh, staggering. It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I mean. It used to just be red and black, and then green came along, and we were all so happy. And uh-huh. then now it's, I, I don't even know how many of there are, plus copper and gold and silver, and they're fun. Yeah, there's some amazing things. And there's there's so many kinds of pens now with, like, brush pens mm-hmm. and all of that. I'm sure you could put a brush pen in an Axie Draw, and you could do something amazing with it. Uh, yeah, you if can. If only you had some something to plot. <laughs> hmm, <laughs> if only there was a it's... thing that... That you needed a picture of. <laughs> because that's hard. Because uh, that would be art. And, and there... <laughs> there goes And the... there I would get stuck. I would say, how can I convert something that I already have into art using engineering? It's kind of hard. It, yeah, it can be challenging. The visualization part gets sometimes a big stumbling block. You know what you like visually when you see it, but then to imagine it first and imagine how you would go about making that into something that you could show somebody else is can be very challenging. It also looks like a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't look like it scales. You know, it's like like I'm used to like engineering where you write a program or something and you say, Oh great, you know, I, I know this really simple little kernel of a truth and now I can sort of either make a machine that generates that or or write a computer program that loops and does it a bunch of times. But it seems like with art, it's hard to, um, you know, there, people actually use their hands. Yeah, or... Um, and then there's no loop other than just you doing something over and over, which sounds yeah, hard. Yeah, there's no shortcuts when you're using your hands, that's for sure. But it sounds like your axi draw. Yeah. If you were going to, like, chain, take a photograph or something and want to make it look like a mesotint or a pointillism picture you know you wouldn't have to dot a million little dots with your rapidograph yeah the dots they definitely uh, there's definitely dot art i've seen that done with the um that and also lines as contours right so it looks like engraving looks like engravings the bump art you know where you draw straight lines with little wiggles in it Mm -hmm. to make a texture um so you can make something that's sort of almost flat like a coin looks really good that way because you can make the you know, you can see the disc. Your eye picks out the disc from the little bumps, and then you can see Abraham Lincoln's head on there. One of the most recognizable shapes. Um, yeah, you can recognize. I think it's the silhouette of Abraham Lincoln's head is the lowest pixel uh, count that people in the U.S. anyway can recognize. Yeah, it's it's definitely something that's on. Something like 64 pixels is plenty. 
Really? Uh, yeah, wow. yeah. It's some, it's, it's, or maybe it's 30 or maybe even fewer. I'm not sure. This is really tangential, but I am an avid C-SPAN watcher. Okay. And my favorite program is Washington Journal. And they always show, show a picture of the Capitol building at the beginning of the show with this beautiful trumpet playing. And many of the callers comment that the silhouette of the Capitol dome next to the trees looks like the profile of Abraham Lincoln. It's like comes up a lot. Oh, so okay. it's real. It is really so something wants to pick that people out. really yeah. have that firmly it's, in their brains. It's truly iconic. Yeah. 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 Well, what do you have? What do you got? What do I have? Yeah. Uh, let's see. I, let's see. I found out that, uh, that you can get good wooden pencils, but you can also get bad wooden pencils. This is true. And so I had thought that somehow like my pencil sharpening was broken or my hands were broken (laughs) or something was wrong because I had a bad batch of, uh, Ticonderoga. I thought, well, here's a nice name brand pencil. And so I went cost, got a big old Costco box of Ticonderogas, which I find now are the inferior Chinese Ticonderogas, which yeah. are not the ones that you want because you, you write for like two words and then the little tips break right off. And you sharpen them again and the sharpener breaks the tip. And then you sharpen down about an inch and you get a good spot that lasts you for another half a sentence. So I had a bad box of those. So what are we going to make out of those pencils that you're not going to use for writing? We should probably some... landfill. Okay. <laughs> I think is where we're headed with that. Um, and then either that or it's actually kind of interesting to um, take a torch and to burn off all the wood and leave the core. Uh, then you have a piece of graphite that you could use. I don't know, perhaps as an electrode. Uh, in some sort of experiment involving mud, mm-hmm. um, which is a great thing to do with mud, um, is to make it into a battery. You can make a battery out of mud, uh, but you need some electrodes, and I think a pencil core a pencil probably core. works pretty well. Yeah. Um, so I saw that at Maker Fair. I saw somebody made batteries from mud. Um, and, and the way that it works is um, you have your anaerobic bacteria on the bottom, they're the ones that don't use the oxygen. And I forget which way it is, but they pump electrons one way. And then there's your aerobic bacteria on the top, and they want to pump electrons the other way. And so by putting an electrode there and and completing the circuit, you're actually doing the little bacteria a favor by favorably handling their electrons for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that'll develop, oh, I don't know, three-quarters of a volt or something. Not very much current. but um, But so... So you need to imagine a cup with mud in it. The the aerobic bacteria are going to be on the top and the anaerobic will be down on the bottom where the air is not getting there. And then you just need to poke the pencils in the top and the bottom. So it, it would probably might be good for that, but I'd probably end up using a better pencil lead because that sounds like a lot of trouble with the torch. It and does, so and you can get you know, drafting leads that are already... Yeah, yeah, With, already, already yeah, all unc- that hard work's already done. Unclenched yeah. for you. Yeah. Unclenched. Yeah. yeah, and you could, yeah, mm-hmm, you could do that. So, um, anyway, it turns out my pencil sharpener is not broken. Okay, what pencil sharpener are you using? It is an, a very old Panasonic um, point, something that has a little light that comes on. You have and, a Panasonic Pointomatic? Yeah, I do. That's the best pen, that's the best electric pencil sharpener there is no the suction cu- suction cups on the bottom yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's from the 1970s yeah or something. the kt yeah. series yeah are awesome yeah wow. i have three of them because i have one and i have to are have they them. vintage oh yeah definitely no, they, they don't they don't, they don't make them anywhere they yeah. have a huge i don't know what the motor is in that thing but oh it's, it's yeah. just like <laughs> yeah. yeah that's a motor yeah so i used to have um a different some other modern pencil sharpener on my desk and when my son was five maybe four years old he thought that the pencil sharpener was the thing that you put pencils in to make them disappear because uh-huh. it doesn't have a stop like the pointomatic right and i installed the pointomatic when i figured out that he was consuming the pencils this way uh-huh. <laughs> it was very entertaining <laughs> yeah sure. um and, and uh, but he had um 
he had a real panic attack because he thought that he broke the pencil sharpener Ooh. because it wouldn't, it wouldn't eat, eat the, the pencils pencil anymore. anymore. Yeah. So. Wow. Um, but now mine has a light that comes on. I think it, it might eat the pencil though. No, I'm not sure no, it has no. The you, it, it has feature. a. It doesn't withdraw, but it stops. It has a stop. So you. Okay. The light comes on. Uh huh. This is what I really love about them, and you can pull it out, and you can if you're just barely pushing it, um, it will. It'll the the motor will keep spinning, uh-huh. but it won't eat your pencil up, and it leaves you a tip that's a little blunt. But right. if you push it a little farther after the light goes on, uh-huh. you can get a very very yes, it, it sharp. Will, yes, tip. you can. <laughs> Sharper than. <laughs> but is you you can required, hold yes. it in as long as you want there, and uh-huh. it's not gonna oh, okay. consume any more pencil. pencil. Okay. Well, I'll have to test that on the Ticonderogas. Try it out. Uh, Try it out. Although, although I think those the chips break right off and it keeps going. Maybe if the if 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 the lead keeps breaking off, it will advance. Maybe it, that's a good test for pencil lead quality or whatever. Yeah. Or or maybe it's just they're not centered. That could be another. If the lead is not centered in the pencil, that maybe is that would very stop. Very yeah. Um, the all of the modern pencil sharp electrical pencil pencil sharpeners um that you can get at a like an office supply store a normal pencil sharpener um at the elementary school they um all the teachers have these you know they'll even spend a hundred dollars on a pencil sharpener and they always break they are not very durable Mm -hmm. and um you can sometimes get the uh panasonic pencil sharpeners the kt series they don't always have the light, but they still have right. that pointomatic yeah, function. The, the light, um, yeah. But they still have the same function. Um, uh, if you're lucky, you can get them at thrift stores. Ah, um, okay. So I've picked up a couple for under five bucks a piece. Nice. And we always give the teachers at the school that we, you know, that our our kids' teachers get this get the pencil, pointomatic. Get get the pointomatic. Ah. There's their prize for. Being, being a great teacher. Oh, okay. Um, but they have all said, every single one of them has said it has changed their life because wow. elementary school teachers spend a lot of time sharpening pencils. Wow, that's. And it's very boring, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it gets hard because they just don't work, and they wind up doing them by hand, and that really, even with a crank sharpener, that's really exhausting because if they don't pencil for. You know, like a third grade class, every two minutes there'd be kids going, getting up to sharpen pencils. So they just start them all off with a big pile of sharpened pencils and mm-hmm. nobody gets up and disturbs the class. Well, so. pencil sharpeners used to be part of the sound of engineering. Yes. And that's pretty much gone. I'm pretty much the only guy in the office now who, who <laughs> makes that noise. Um, and use... I just started recently because I got some good pencils. Right. And so, uh, what, what did you get besides the Ticonderogas? Well, that... I, I kind of went wild and I, I, I this got confessional? some pencils. We'll, we'll, we'll get to mine. Okay. Well, I see, I'm actually a lead holder guy. Okay. Um, so, so normally I'm a one and a half millimeter, I think is with the size of the lead holder and you have the little hand sharpener. Right. And, uh, that doesn't make a lot of noise to bug people in an office, but then I, I just, is it, a, is it electric or manual? No, it's a little manual. Okay. Uh, yeah, they're pretty quiet. A little spinny guy. Um, and uh, it has the little thing that's like the cigarette butt that goes in <laughs> it um, where you dust it off. And I think that the purpose of that is so that if you stab yourself with the pencil, you don't give yourself a tattoo. Um, <laughs> because I think that happens with the graphite. Um, and then, um, yeah, so I got... Well, well I I'd like Statler. And so I... Because that's the kind of leads in the lead holder that I like mm-hmm. the best are the Statlers. And so I used the Statler HB in the lead holder. And then I saw that they had a wooden pencil that had that, presumably, that same core in it uh, and and wood. And so I thought, well, that, that looks like that's worth a try. So I got I got one of those and then I got some softer ones of that same, same thing. And... Uh, and I found that I like those a lot. Those are good. Um, and then I had to try the black wings because, you know, aspiring hipster, uh, you gotta tr- you got to have a black wing. What's your favorite black wing, right? That's like got to be a thing. <laughs> and so um, I the black wing pearl I kind of like, but it was, um, 
what I found is that it's kind of messy. It's a little smeary, right? Yeah, and, that, and like, especially I was looking at a sheet of paper on my desk, and it was like that looks like somebody like spilled a pencil sharpener on it. <laughs> it's really nice for doing um, art and shading. Yeah, I like I like yeah. I actually carry a pearl in my little three pack usually in case I want to make some sketches, uh-huh. but it's terrible in a pocket notebook where it's rubbing and abrading all the time it just really gets smeary yeah, out especially out. if you're writing yeah um i think a lot of people like to write larger than i do so yeah, if you if you, big, if you yeah. write big um some of the softer darker pencils like that maybe and you don't have them you're not transporting a lot um might work better but i tend to go for the not quite as smeary so of the black wings, I like the 602 a little bit better. It's a little firmer. Yeah, so I got a, I have a 602, and I didn't like it as much as some of the Statlers. I, I couldn't mm-hmm. really find the, the spot where, where it was better at anything. And then, um, well, except it has an eraser. <laughs> um, and then there was the, uh, but I just got this black Palomino that seems okay. different than the uh pearl it, yeah there it's a it's it, a different it's, core so palomino it seems like they all say palomino on them they or? are all, the palomino is the brand that they are they bought the blackwing brand so they're the manufacturer oh, palomino okay. all right so all right so i got this one that's just black and mm-hmm. it doesn't say anything on it other than blackwing uh i guess it's black i don't i'm not great with colors uh and then it's got and uh, I guess it's a white eraser on the top. And okay. I just got that at a store and I sharpened it up and haven't done much with it. It looks okay, but you have to get some wear on the pages before you really know, you know what exactly. it's going to do. Exactly. Um, so I have, I'm not through that one yet, but um, but I am enjoying the... I still like my lead holder too, um, but uh, I'm enjoying annoying people in the office now with the sound of pencils sharpening. I stay late, so usually I sharpen sharpen them late in the day. But um, I do most of my work late in the day too. Funny how that works. Yeah, exactly. We uh, at our at our place um, we have lots of pencil sharpeners. Everybody uses wood case pencils, um, and um, we the those Panasonic sharpeners are excellent for sharpening um, a lot of colored leads which tend to break in electric pencil sharpeners so pretty notoriously i just got some uh some colored pencils and they were terrible there are lots of really crummy colored pencils especially now because it's become so fashionable like there's an there's there was a shortage apparently a few months ago of colored pencils because so many people were buying them and adult coloring books and so there's uh yeah there's a lot of people jumping in to make pencils that people will buy but that doesn't mean they're great well i i needed to annotate a drawing with different colors Mm -hmm. and um you know do basically call outs i guess and i had done that before with pencils and it seemed like there were some good ones, but then I went to the art store and I bought some and they, I was disappointed because yeah, I, I put them into the Panasonic and pointed them up and then crack, crack, crack. Or... Uh, well, I got, I got, um, I just barely pressed down and this big old chunk came out. I think I lost like more than a half an inch of the, of the lead. And then I right. looked at it and the wood was all crumbly. Right. It, it looked like definitely not cal cedar maybe it had like <laughs> voids or or just was like rotten or whatever yeah or even sometimes the tooling the they hit a knot <laughs> there can be knots there sometimes um especially on the super cheap pencils the tooling they don't um you know they they have this uh, gang saw that they saw, saw the slats that, so there's the, the place for the core to sit uh-huh. and sometimes if they don't set that don't monitor the gauge of that depth Okay. It can blow, it can have such a thin, like a couple of cells of wood left. And once you start moving it, it just shatters. Um, and the, they don't always have them sharpened, you know, the, the tooling to be sharp enough. So it, it tears out the wood. 
Oh. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah. I would. Yeah. You got to go at a certain speed and feed and all that. And it kind of depends on how good the wood is. And if you're, if you care about people buying your pencils again, uh you will care about doing a really good job. But if you're caring about people of earth are buying colored pencils in enormous quantities and we need to sell some now, then, you know, I noticed they had a lot of, they were, they actually had a really good choice, uh, a really good price on boxes. Mm-hmm. And so it looked like they were into the sort of the tin box market, yeah. which seems like that would go well with the coloring book idea. But I just wanted like four colors, and so I didn't go for the whole box. And now I'm glad I didn't because I'd have another box of pencils to throw away. If they were because the same, if they were the junk. same brand for sure. Yeah, they were the same, uh, presumably the same. Um, yeah, they were they were not great. So now I need to know who makes the good colored pencils the good colored pencils Um, and i I tried my lead holder because i had some old leads that i had found now i have some old leads is there such a thing as vintage leads well sure they exist and um and certain lead holders even have such specific sizes Uh that nobody makes the leads that fit a lot of the antique you know older than vintage and vintage lead holders and uh um, there is, there is an outfit, I don't have it handy, but there is an outfit you can, that has a big stockpile of those vintage leads. Well, I'll have to um, see if I can cash but, in and yeah. retire on my lead collection <laughs> because I'm, I'm the guy who, who, you know, the office cubicle gets emptied out and you know, it all goes in the trash and I'm the guy picking through the trash. And so I've picked out that, I don't know how old they are. I'm going to guess they're 45 years mm. old or so or 40. They don't de- really degrade. Yeah, they look um, fine. I put them in the the in my Statler lead holder, and they they yeah, point they'll, right up. They'll and they work, just work fine. And HB, I mean, you know, nice. For for archiving purposes, um, it's more permanent than ink. I mean, it the lasts ones, longer. The ones that get left behind tend to be the uh, the harder ones, though, that I don't need. Yeah, most people. Uh, a lot of 4H. I got a lot, <laughs> a lot of 4Hs. Yeah, yeah, no shortage. Yeah, I could. If only 4Hs were to become valuable, I could I could make a killing. Um, Maybe they'll be um, good electrodes. Yeah, there you go. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe the and it could it could be a 4H project. Then you can really get all the <laughs> meta going on. That would be silly. So um, so who makes the good colored pencils now? Um, the uh. Tombow, Tombow makes some good Tombo. ones. They're a Japanese one. Okay. Um, and uh, that's the most recent I'll, set I'll of the colored Tombo. pencils I got. I've okay. got some. I have I have an old set of Pentel, so I don't know what they're making now, but I have some Pentel mm-hmm. colored pencils that are were I'm still using because I don't use them very often. Okay. Are um, they erasable? Are they water soluble? Uh, no, no. Um, I of course have watercolor pencils too, and I think those are um, Caran d'Ache, perhaps. No, I don't. I don't want the water soluble. That's the yeah. thing. Is I want because if I sweat on my drawing, yeah. I don't want it to. And a ra- and you don't want erasable. There's. Well, um, I don't really care that much, but um, I notice the erasable ones tend to come with an eraser, and so they're. It's, it's like they're marketed as erasable. Right. By, look, there's an eraser. <laughs> yeah, and they don't erase very well. Yeah, I've never they kind had of a, a whole staining. lot of luck with, with erasing them. Yeah, they kind of seem to stain your paper a little bit. Um, yeah. The other thing, if you want something that's erasable and different colors, are the um, uh, the friction pens that come in a huge rainbow of colors. Friction pens, what's that? Yeah, um, it's an ink that... Um, it doesn't smear anything. Mm-hmm. I don't know how water... I think it's pretty resistant to water. Um, but it has a, a little uh, polymer nub eraser on the end of the pencil. And if you you know, use enough friction and really get it rubbed up good, um, it will erase it. And there's the only trace is the, um, how hard you pressed I think the paper. Were, I think I had a, a set of erasable ballpoint pens like back in the i don't know early 80s or something those are probably like that. the paper mate 
ones. And yeah, these are and a bit they, different. They, it said it said on them at the time people wrote these little pieces of paper called checks. Right. Don't use them for checks. Some, yeah. <laughs> sort of a thing that you would use to take money out of your bank account. And uh, it said right on the box, not for checks. But right. I heard they had so much trouble with it that they stopped selling them because people would use them for checks because they'd be lying around and they wouldn't I, keep track of which was right. which. And then, I always and found those really globby. sad. Um, yeah, they weren't great pens, but... Um, they smelled kind of funny. Did they? Oh, okay. <laughs> huh. Childhood memories. <laughs> <laughs> no, the friction ones are interesting. And then the cool thing about it, and I haven't, and I haven't investigated the um, composition of the ink or if they even talk about it. It might be patented. Or I would check it out if it is. Um, but uh, they, uh, after you erase it, you can... Um, Put it in the freezer and recover what was once erased. It will reappear. Whoa. So it just you write secret messages. Wow. In ice cream. Wow. Right. That's, <laughs> that's um, well, I can imagine that being handy for the check forging problem. <laughs> uh, look, that's what it originally said. Yeah. So, yeah. But it comes in a multitude of colors and they have ballpoint. And they have um, felt markers. So I got hmm. my dad a set of them for him to do annotations and call-outs on drawings. Cause, okay. Because he's a pencil person. Okay. And sometimes he needs to communicate with a little more... A little bit of color. A little yeah. bit of color and yeah. maybe a slightly bigger line than a 0.3 millimeter mechanical pencil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, I gave up on... I, I was I get point five seemed to be the standard with engineers. They're yeah, most mostly. And then and then some people use the point sevens, and then you'll see the point nines every now and then for people that want to press hard. Right, or we use those for marking wood on templates. You know that makes oh, a nice okay. sharp line and it's sturdy enough not to snap off. The point nines. Yeah, yeah. That's I like should on, have one in my shop. Yeah, on light colored woods. For dark colored woods, we use the white colored pencils oh so we go through those things and i have my favorite ones um for that are an old dixon photo pencil for marking up photos so is that a vintage thing it's a vintage thing yes it's a vintage thing and there nobody has any more anybody who had any a couple years i bought them all okay so so we we're, we're set for a few years and in the meantime, I've been white pencil shopping. Okay. So, but the, the nice things about those two is they don't get chewed up and break off in the um, in the pencil sharpeners, the electric ones. Okay. Although, a lot of times we'll just sharpen a pencil on the belt sander, or, you know, pocket knife. So, whatever's handy. So, what's the advantage of the belt sander? You're the second person I've talked to this month who said. I use the belt sander. Oh, to... So, so is that special? To, to sharpen to, a pencil? To sharpen a pencil? Yeah. Well, if it's there. Okay. And you need a sharpened it's pencil. It's in a shop. Yeah. yeah. Your it shop happens, happens to be to next to you, yeah. and the pencil sharpener is on the other end of the shop. Okay. It. So it's a matter of convenience. Not, yeah. Not a, it's not like a hipster way to sharpen a pencil. No. Although I think in, a, I think in most pencil manufacturing, I think when you get a sharpened pencil, mm-hmm. it has been sharpened on a belt sander, basically. They don't put each pencil in a... Little it's a sanding, not a grinding operation. Yeah, yeah. So a, they a roll. Pencil sharpeners. Well, actually, I don't know that much about those operations, like the difference between grinding and sanding, and I guess. Yeah, they. Yeah, there's probably some terminology <laughs> that I'm missing in there. Yeah. But yeah, so they I have to get a mechanical engineer on the show to explain all these things to us. I'm sure we know a couple. Yeah, we could probably find one somewhere. So I need a colored pencil, and it sounds like I'm gonna go with the Tombos. Yeah, uh, I'll 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 give you some to try. Okay. You can well, see if you I'll, like them. I'll, I can test them here. Yeah. I have some I have some test paper. I went to a an art show yesterday at a at a uh, at a, a store at an art store mm-hmm. art supply store. I went to Riley Street. I say was it Riley Street? Okay. Yeah, it was Riley Street in Santa Rosa. And. They had uh, some samples there, and so I, I get 
I think I brought the samples with me. Are they All around right. somewhere? Um, anyway, I had these. Little stack over oh, there? Oh, yeah, there they are, the little packs. So I got two packs, so we could each have one, and we can take the little cards out. And they're actually, they're uh, Stillman and Byrne paper samples inside. Premium sketchbooks, mixed media. And so I guess they were promoting their thing, and the guy was giving them away in pairs because I think he wanted to get rid of all of them. <laughs> Because I think that was his job for the day. So they have little little things on them. And what I like is the opportunity for a uh, for a little foley here. Uh, I can I can I can make the sound, and you can hear that they have different stiffnesses. Because you know some of them really some of them make a better than others. And so this one here seems like something I would want to write on that sounds about right there's the other ones are you know more for cards or something like that one. Oh, that's that's way too uh, that's really stiff and really thick and really nice which is great when that's what you need but um, that's the Zeta series right. 270 GSM is that grams per square meter yeah. is that what GSM is yeah. uh, and there's some nice papers here I like the cream colors I like anything I like it to head towards yellow and I like the really bright whites too, the really brilliant whites, but I've noticed they, the papers tend to be loaded up with weird stuff that, yeah, that, to make it bright that is ultimately not what I want to have on my paper. Right, exactly. I like the the soft. If you if you look at paper a lot, if you write a lot, it can be really fatiguing to have that bright reflective white in your face yeah i like that green engineering paper. i was just gonna say my favorite is the green yeah the vellum's yeah. pretty good too the uh mm -hmm. the like the clear print types yeah are... yeah with the nice blue lines on it there or the green engineering paper you can't get good engineering paper anymore or at least i haven't been able to find any um, it's all basically really really bad now yeah well it's, it's kind of like paper towel it's kind of like writing on a paper towel. It's like the, it's it's very soft and doesn't stand up. To I'll tell the, you why. To it's the because, operation. It's because engineers are cheap. Yeah, they are. And so. Yeah, yeah if you show, <laughs> engineers have terrible taste. If you show an engineer something beautiful, let's say, could I have a, an ugly one for cheaper? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, we got to work on that. Yeah. Have some sort of a podcast. <laughs> oh, hey, that's a pretty good idea, actually. Yeah. That's a pretty good idea. Yeah, we, we need to improve the taste of engineers. Just so our everyday objects, you know, that are engineered objects, right? They should be more, they should be better from an art point of view. Right, because when it comes to manufacturing something, actually getting, after the engineering is done and you're ready to do all the processes and make your product and market it and sell it and get it out into all the homes... Is, I, I think it's uh, Henrik Fisker who said that it costs the same amount of money to manufacture a poorly designed product as a well-designed product. You know, the yeah. injection molding costs the same. The machining costs the same. Right. Um, but you can have something that's compelling and beautiful and useful and durable. Or you can have something that just falls apart or is hard to use. And they, they both fulfill the same function in a way but um they don't really they're sold for the same function right <laughs> i don't know right. if they fulfill it right um but they uh that yeah, yeah the, the cost slot. is about the same the one thing that is but the engineering is more expensive the the well quality to the extent that it relies on test where you test something and then reject it if it's right. bad it, the test has a real cost sure sure uh, but the cost of test is a small percentage of the total cost of most manufactured mm -hmm. products. Not all. Some some products, actually, it's a high percentage. But um, most of those things are, you know, they're being tested to specifications so they can be built into something else. So it's actually not a finished product. It's something mm -hmm. like a chip, you know, where right. they, they have to test it to make sure when you put it in a computer it works. But the computer costs the same, you know, whether it's in an ugly case or a pretty case. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, it's... Um, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm glad that I just had to buy a bunch of computers for our office and I'm really glad that they all seem to be square now. So it's been a while since I bought computers. Square? Yeah. Well, you know, right angles. Um for for a while all the computers had these weird like 
bumpy top, so you oh, could, they got a little swoopy. Yeah, you put a cup of coffee yeah. On. Somebody, <laughs> everybody, you know, got a uh, decided to design, make these curves that you could make in uh, your CAD programs, and oh, they weren't yeah. beautiful. <laughs> Actually, it was like a race to see who could make the ugliest case. Yeah. Um, yeah every single one I got was somebody... square. <laughs> I was so happy. Okay. Somebody found the uh, the arc button in their CAD program. And... <laughs> Just went to town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sheet metal roller, and pretty soon we had cases. So you can make really nice square boxes now with, um, because a lot of the sheet metal processes now use lasers. Right. And so you can score and cut and make apertures, holes. Um really accurately with the laser and so you can make these super precise boxes really tight boxes now um and and so that that's probably the next generation will be you know you cut yourself on the box it'll be so you can make such tight corners um i was thinking about that earlier i was thinking about when you you can make a sharp edge you know, like a knife, uh, you think of it as, as sharp. What is it that makes it sharp? It's a really high curvature, or like the point of a pin. It's because it curves around in a really limited area. But you could have a right angle that's sharp also, right? Mm-hmm. Where, uh, like when you make a shear, you have um, you, you have a right angle that's sharp. And if you run your finger along it, you can cut yourself right on that, even though it's a right angle. You know, it's not like a knife blade. Um, right. And so we have an opportunity now to make like deadly consumer items with with things you have hidden like surfaces that are really right. tight because of laser cuts. And um, uh, if it's on the exterior of it, if you have a really sharp corner, even on um, even an architectural extrusion, those aluminum yeah. extrusions can have some pretty. They come with some pretty tight corners, um, sharp. Yeah, and you can too. get a burr on there as well. Yeah, but also if you're going to do any type of decorative finish painting mm-hmm. on it, um, it's really hard to get paint to want to stay on that sharp, oh, it, sharp it, surface. I mean, it'll stay there, but it'll, it'll flake off. It'll flake huh? off, yeah. It'll chip hmm. really easily. Hmm, um, that's interesting. So I'll have to, we'll have to go into the math of that. Do some... <laughs> I have, I have I have some, some example some chassis. analysis here. We're <laughs> gonna have to we're gonna have to run some numbers on this and figure out exactly what Why, it is what about is the happening. paint. Yeah. yeah. What, what's what's the radius that we can tolerate for this particular paint? Right. Yeah. I've uh, got I've got some examples. Mm-hmm. So we can we can run some tests. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now I'm curious. And then the. Uh, this, I don't remember seeing that on a can. You know, not for right angles. I, I've never <laughs> seen that. Uh, the other cool thing about the uh, the laser fabrication and the sheet metal is that you can um, that all your products don't have to be exactly the same. You know, you can oh. you can customize them and make really short runs. And um, you know, I've I'm working with a company now to make a small run of some sheet metal, and you know, probably. 20 years ago, if I asked some guy to make me 25 units of something to test, they would just <laughs> mm-hmm. laugh at you or charge you a billion dollars for it. And, eh, that's fine. Just throw it on the laser cutter and go to town. So So what's the metal? Um, Steel. Um, it's mm-hmm. a 16th inch steel. 16th um, inch? Yeah. That's pretty thick. It's, uh, it's, a heavy, it's for heavy-duty product that people lug around so yeah that's that's nice and beefy yeah it's it's not lightweight (laughs) that's not a beer can that's like no no that's gonna it's it's gonna handle that's that's for handling some use yeah yeah sounds Um, heavy and you can do that with a laser uh yeah they're doing it oh that's amazing yeah i guess steel is good because it doesn't conduct heat so well so if you try to do that with a sheet of copper uh, yeah, that would probably would fail. Yeah, because the copper would conduct away the heat from the laser, and so it would be hard to cut a hole, and yeah. you'd need a really powerful laser. Yeah, and you pr- probably wouldn't be putting co- sheets of copper on that to cut. <laughs> well, you can do thin sheets. Right, true. Uh, yeah, steel is good that way. It, 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 it's, 
it's okay at conducting heat, but it's not not nearly as good as say copper or something like that. Oh, that sounds great. And so, do you get folds? Do, yeah, does it come folded? It or? comes folded. Yeah, yeah. I'm, so I they mean, do the folds and they the, do the folds and the cutting, and they yeah. get nice tight corners. They get what this? Yeah, it's pretty tight corners. That where the way this works, it actually does have an architectural extrusion, and then a piece of folded sheet metal that slips into that sleeve. So all of the edges of the sheet metal part are housed inside of a aluminum chassis. So oh. you don't really see any of the folds. They're there to just keep all the stuff tucked away and have a place to mount the components. So so the steel, the edges of the steel are all hidden by the aluminum. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that sounds very nice. It's a, it's a tidy little... Tiny little box. Yeah. And then they, and I'm so glad it's one place I can, they do the painting of the steel and the aluminum and silkscreen decoration of it. Nice. So I'll just so show what do up you, one day. So what do you give them to, to get that back? Do you give them some sort of file or do you um, give them a whole bunch of stack of drawings or what do you give them? I, well, I, this was a weird project because this is a, a something we've been making for over 40 years. So some of the drawings are in my dad's. 0.3 millimeter pencil <laughs> and old photocopies of them. So they're not, they're difficult to, to read. And we've made one revision that I didn't make a drawing for. Um, so they just said, they just take my product that we made and they'd make their own drawing. So, so they made the drawing for they're, you. They're going to make the drawing out of the, end result so yeah. they figure it out yeah because there's something about like the way the bends work or the folds yeah you need to know how that works to spec yeah, they have, it they have to characterize their own process for yeah it. and there's the tolerance funny is little a, angle yeah there. and i i don't know all the tolerances for their equipment or the general stuff i mean right so yeah, yeah um, i think it's a hard problem so, so I, just I'm, let them solve it they're experts yeah so let them solve um, it so they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna do the hard part of it. So. Oh, that's really great. Somebody who who can do something nice. But you don't have your first articles back yet. No, I. That's just, what we call it in engineering the and, first yeah, article. My, I don't have my first article yet. I had a <laughs> I had another guy that this is the second guy I've had to do them in the last few years because the other guy went out of business. I'm going to um, JM Manufacturing in Katadi, and they're they got a really cool shop uh, my dad and I went and took a tour there a couple months ago and uh saw saw everything and they do everything in-house which is great and we were having a hard time finding somebody to make this product I mean we do the to make the sheet metal part of it the metal part of it and um because we wanted to find somebody local to us um just because we're very control freaky people and also, it's nice to know the people you work with, you sure. know, and want them to feel like it's their product too, you know. They're they made they made a big part of it. So, so we had my dad had actually obtained he he ordered a bunch of this uh, architectural extrusion to make the chassis sleeves, and we were gonna. I found some guy that could paint them, but couldn't do the sheet metal work, and we were kind of like uh being the broker trying to find all the other places to put it together and i just was glad we could find the one one place to, and they were nice enough to use the material i had so we can consume all that up first oh, that's good <laughs> and um and then later on my reorders they'll get um they'll just i'll just be glad to buy the material through them and not have to do that so so how are they laying the paint down? Is it powder coat or is it's, it? No, it's a it, it's uh, a, a it's a spray. Um, it's it's a classic metal paint. It's a Polane. Um, it's a Sherwin Williams product, hmm. and um, it's got a light. You can change the texture, but we put a little light texture on it, and it keeps it. You know, doesn't seem to scratch up as much. And uh, we do have them soften the edges of that extrusion. Uh, they're, if they're if they're doing just a few, they might just file it. Um, but probably they'll do a different process if we're getting once we get bigger orders from them, uh, just to make maybe make it a consistent radius or something on the corners. But you don't want it too round. Yeah. You know? 
should so you have to find I think that I, I saw a machine that's like a it's like a a vibrating box of peanuts mm. that are each like sandpaper right peanuts yeah except like, or somewhere between sandpaper and a file mm-hmm. uh and so you put it in this big vibrating machine and it deburs it, everything right. and and radiuses stuff a little bit it just softens up the edges a bit so yeah that... i know a guy who's got a, one of those he's got uh ed's got a, a big vibrating box of those uh, i've never seen it run yeah we've got some that we haven't used like some tumblers and things like that for like small metal parts uh but they they use um uh an abrasive that is in water so you have to deal with wastewater and stuff as a business and that's just Ooh. we've done that when we had the circuit board <laughs> shop and Oh, it's, no, circuit it's, boards are messy. It's impossible. Yeah. yeah it's impossible you, when your your copper of your wastewater has less copper than the tap water that they supply you to drink. Uh-huh. But because it's wastewater, it has too much copper. Yeah. So yeah it's sort a, of, you could turn on the tap and you're breaking the law. <laughs> so. Hmm. Your wastewater has too much copper. Well, it's hard to get a little plant to eat that copper, um, <laughs> and so and it's some some poor slob at the um, at the wastewater place is responsible for getting rid of that copper, and I'm sure he, he's very tired of it because uh, I think it's hard. It is hard, um, but you can't have no copper in water because too much too much makes the fish die. But if you don't have any. That yeah, I think also, that's bad too. That will too. also make yeah. the fish die. Yeah, you need a trace. You need yeah. a tiny bit. Yeah, yeah, you need just you the need right some. amount. But like I said, if you if you can't just put the tap water out with the wastewater, it's pretty hard to. <laughs> yeah, I was listening to uh, some guys talk about salamanders, and the salamanders have algae growing on them, right? To do part of their metabolism. And so they have this little this little symbiosis or whatever right. between the the algae and the salamander, and so I'd imagine that just a, a little bit of any kind of um, uh, you know plant killing thing herbicide right. is going to be tough on the salamanders. So true. My guess is that tap water and salamanders might not get along either because it's been through too much copper pipe. Right. I think it's. I think the aquarium guys have to manipulate their copper as well. Although I think that's also one of the treatments that you can give the fish for when they get sick. Yeah, certain sicknesses for aquarium yeah. fish you do. Yeah, you put in copper. But it's not very much either. Yeah. So. Yeah, what's the stuff that turns the water deep blue? Methylene uh, me- blue. Methylene blue, yeah. Yeah, what's that do? Is that copper? Is that is a blue think, in that I, based on copper? I think that's a copper one. I'm not sure. Yeah, are there any inks that are uh, that are based on <laughs> methylene blue? To bring it back to the office supplies. Right, here. we can go. Uh, or we art go or back. whatever it is we're talking about here. Methylene blue. Yeah, because it, it was very blue. Yeah. As I recall, and it is a very distinctive color. It's a beautiful color, actually. And then, um, and then there's. Bromthymol blue, one oh, of my other favorites. That's another goodie. Yeah, which you can turn yellow with an acid. So and and it and it is a dye. The methylene blue would be a dye because mm-hmm. I remember we got a gram of it once, and we able, was able to make of the powder, uh, and we, and it dissolved in water, and we made a ton of methylene blue out of that. Um, I think we dissolved it in a gallon of water, and it was still quite strong for whatever it was i was using methylene blue for at the time i think it was for the fish tanks and curing ick, ick. the little white spots yeah, yeah i think that was that's what you that's the standard yeah so you just dip your fish in ink and you know little spots go away so you just <laughs> paint the spots and the little the little worms or whatever it is move out they don't like the color yeah i don't know if i've ever seen an ink that's that exact color yeah you could sell it to people who like fish right all right have to do it methylene blue ink well we can shop for it on google (laughs) gentian violet 
or first aid antiseptic? No, I think I think Google is confused. Methothioninium. No, <laughs> it's hard to say. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm in a Dr. Seuss book. Right. Methylthioninium chloride. It's a medication and a dye, and it's used to treat methyl It's used to treat something. <laughs> yeah, methylene blue ink on Alibaba. High wow. quality methylene blue ink. It's I'm the sure. highest quality. Highest quality and. Yeah. If we don't make it, we'll make it for you, and we'll put a sticker that says methylene blue ink on it for you. <laughs> methylene blue trihydrate. Because it has kind of that blue. One kilogram. That's enough to, like, turn a river <laughs> blue. You could literally treat a river full of fish with this, I think. Right. For how much well, money? How much does it cost? Yeah. It's kind of a neat, almost of that blue-black color. You know? the, the packaging is 25 kilograms per drum. <laughs> 34 to $200 per kilogram. And it's packaged 25 kilograms. Supply availability, 500 kilograms per month. All right. Well, we can really... So they have a factory somewhere that's making 500 kilograms, or can make 500 kilograms a month of methylene blue. We could make a lot of ink. We could really make a lot of ink. Yeah. If we had just one kilogram of this, say $200 worth, we bid high. That would be many gallons of ink. I wonder how light fast it is. I don't know. I, we'd have to get some and test it. Yeah. I'd go to the fish store and get I think, some. I think we want to get, yeah, like the small testing quantity. I don't think I have any left. <laughs> I'm sure I think sure mine I don't. is expired. <laughs> it's actually probably pretty stable. I say, what expires about it? Um... Yeah. Well, I don't know. It it's expires. got a long formula, it's, so yeah, it may it expires, decompose. Because uh, it's time to get a new bottle. Yeah. 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 Well, I guess the water would leave, but I guess you could just add more water, and then it would be unexpired. <laughs> uh, maybe it just gets crusty around the cap, like my Indian ink. It does. Ink. It does um, actually. But it probably, it probably would all come off on my fingers. That's what would be expired right. about it. The packaging would. The packaging would. Would degrade and yeah, it was probably in a plastic. Like if it was in a plastic squeeze bottle. Yeah. Like the label would fall off and then you'd have this blue stuff and you'd wonder what it was. Well, you would know it was methylene blue. <laughs> it's very distinctive, isn't it? It's yeah. a very particular color. I think it's used in testing milk also. Hmm. Uh, you can, I think you, I think it sticks to bacteria or something like that. And yeah, so you so put you it in milk and then it like, if, if how long it takes to clear up is related to the bacteria somehow. And so you use it for quality yeah. assurance of milk. And it does have that distinctive, slightly inky blackish blue color that is very, very pretty. I like the blue black inks a lot. You'd think that blue-black would describe an ink color, and that would be it. But there's scores of them that are some are more blue, some are more black. And so, if you do like, is that two different? Is that a mixture of two different things that makes um, them blue and black? Yeah, they. Um, I mean, you can buy a pre-mixed. You know, the color is blue-black. So you can some inks you can mix together make your own blue blacks they're compatible but some some of the dyes are not compatible with each other that you can't really mix them up together okay so here's my concern this okay. is what i can't figure out so chromatography right you know chromatography yeah. so you you put the the ink blot on the paper towel and you dip it into the solvent and the solvent travels along and the the and it carries the ink away but the different colors separate out in the ink, right, from your mixture. Mm -hmm. And so does that happen on the paper a little bit? Do you get spreading um, that's different in the paper of the different colors, and then you get little highlights? It, it depends. Yeah? It depends. Um, Is that something you shop for or against? It depends. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's complicated and it's it depends? It's complicated. But, yeah, yeah some, some of the inks people really seek out because they have those different colors and sheen like you can have a blue ink that has a red sheen to it and you sheen. you'd look at it and it looks completely blue but at a different angle it might flash 
red or the edges, depending on how much ink you're laying down and how absorbent the ink is in the paper, how absorbent the paper is. And uh, so you may notice just shading is very um, sought after by people who write with flex nib pens, especially. And broad. And so is that the separation of the pigments in the Um, ink or is it something else? It's, it's more, it's more just the, the color itself blending out, you know, so it's, it'll pool up, um, in areas where more ink has been laid down, but at the edges, I don't know if it's the different pigments coming out of it or not, but um, mm-hmm. there are definitely inks that you can see some different color zoning. Some bands. In. Yeah. Yeah, some bands. That it'll, it'll come out um, particularly on the edges. Mm-hmm. So I have a pretty cool ink that does that. I don't remember the name, though. So I, 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 I tried this. I, I took up some... some uh, I'd seen somebody do this recently. Some Sharpies and put them on a paper towel and stuck it in alcohol and and watched the the ink flow up. It was sort of interesting in that uh, I did get it to separate and I could so I could see how they mixed the dyes mm-hmm. and they had they started with just a few dyes and made a bunch of different colors out of them. That was cool. I was surprised that the black had some yellow in it. Mm-hmm. But the problem was um, my paper towel had this texture to it, like an imprint oh. on it. And so the ink would tend to flow along the imprint. Mm-hmm. And that actually turned out to be sort of more interesting than the chromatography <laughs> part of it, was like watching the ink go through these different parts of the paper towel. And so now I'm thinking about... Now I'm thinking about that. I could, I could, If I really cared about the chromatography part, I'd switch to coffee filters. Mm-hmm. Which are more, which are smooth. Yeah, have that homogenous they're, type. Yeah, they're they're have a random weave. I think it's a random weave, uh, which is I think what you're or looking for. A for non-woven that kind of paper, <laughs> or you could get some Malincrot chromatography paper, which is this fancy thing. And I may get to that. I may have to separate some inks because I want to measure everything. Because why wouldn't you want to measure art? Right. Well, you need uh, to. It helps you understand it better. I, I hope so. And or maybe just admire it, it from well, an engineering point of view. Sure. Sometimes it's just fun to discover and see where it leads you. So so anyway, I want to uh, I want to think about uh, I want to think about chromatography and and how things flow in the paper because I don't like any of my paper. But we'll save that for next time. Sounds good. <laughs>